Hi, Hannah. Hi, Evan. How's it going? Good. What are we talking about today? We're talking about numbers. Numbers? Is this a math episode? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I see that you turned this around on me because we started and I said, hey, Evan, what are we talking about today? And then you said numbers. It's a math episode. And I was like, ew, I don't like that intro. <laughs> <laughs> And then you just flipped the script. Yeah, it was a little scheme yeah. that I thought of on the fly. So what are we talking about today? Numbers. <laughs> Numbers. <laughs> today? I don't know why I have like a whistly laugh today. <laughs> I guess I'm becoming an old man finally. Gonna do that. <laughs> um, today we are talking about the Questlandia updated and expanded edition Kickstarter which is running right now. What? You yawn. It was a quiet yawn. It was not quiet. <laughs> was it? What did it? What did it sound like? Well, I don't know. I can just, I know from, from past times that I can hear them. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're talking about the Questlandia updated and expanded edition Kickstarter, which is happening right now. And we wanted to have a transparent non-opaque conversation about like how we think it's going because you know during a kickstarter like you get you have to be on the hype train for right. yourself and the people backing who have already backed and the people who may back before the project closes and it's often like hidden what how people's funding uh, closing number actually matches with their expectations and hopes. And so we're just going to say what ours are because we're honest Abes. Yeah. Being uncomfortably transparent Yeah, is like the subtitle of this podcast. Oh, yeah. We should. I know. You're right. In general. <laughs> so let's start with where we're at presently. So at the moment, the Questlandia Kickstarter is... Right around $12,000 Yeah, as its funding total on the Kickstarter page. Yep. And our goal was $5,500, but we all know those goals aren't real. Yeah. Let, let's talk about that for just a second. Oh, you want to <laughs> just jump right into that? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about the Kickstarter goal for a second. Cool. Because... You know, this might really be like a taking the red pill moment for people. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Like they're going to become incels? And they're going like... to, no, I... <laughs> maybe, but <laughs> but probably they're just, it's just about learning the truth of like, what, what do these numbers mean that okay. the Kickstarters are putting out there and that <laughs> they celebrate? Wish you hadn't said taking the red it's it's a still a broad metaphor. It's not I don't think it's a broad metaphor anymore. It's not. Yeah, no, I think that metaphor has definitely been chucked into I'm the fires it of <laughs> single-handedly. Yikes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, when you set a Kickstarter goal, you can set it to anything. Yeah. Right? You have complete control. And 
there's a few different pressures that are on you about what to set that number to. The two main ones I'd say is that a big goal lets you rally people and say, come on, let's keep pushing everybody. We got to get to this big goal that pressures you to set your goal to a high level. On the other hand, reaching your goal very fast and very dramatically gives a impression of enormous success and confidence um, and like public confidence in your work. Yeah. To be like, we reached our goal in 30 minutes. We're at 7,000% of our goal. It's like those ideas carry a connotation of enormous success, runaway hit, exceptionally popular special game. Yep. And you see people capitalize on that. I mean, it's a thing to tweet about. It's, you know, it's a thing to make a backer update about. Mm -hmm. We reached our funding goal in 30 minutes. You see people change the cover image, funded in just 28 minutes. Right. So, you know, if we had set our goal to $1,000 and then we'd be like, we're at over 1,000% of our goal right now, um, you know, that, that actually carries some weight. The other pressures are if you reach your goal, you are on the line to give your thing. So you want it to actually be a, a price where you can afford to produce what you're promising to produce. Yeah. And also there's some tiny subset of the Kickstarter folks who are going to look at your goal and evaluate it. Like, does that sound real? Yep. Right? If we set it to $1,000, maybe somebody would be like, that seems kind of low for a print run. Right. And if we set it to $1,000 and we were working with a team of four other people, right? then it starts to get really suspect. Right. So those are some of the pressures and everybody's just navigating those different pressures and setting the goal based on however much they're feeling any given one of those. So when we set our goal of 5,500, that's like our bitter, lowest, miserable amount. <laughs> Which based. is kind of sad when you say it like that, but it's it's true. I mean, like we would, 5,500 would be enough to do the small print run of Questlandia that would have corresponded with that number of backers. We would be very upset if that was our total. We'd be a little bummed. Which then it's weird. It's like, well, why, why lie? <laughs> you know, then that number sort of becomes a lie. I don't know that that's true. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a lie if the idea of the goal is this is where you're going to be happy and everybody's going to celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, like, even though we don't think of it that way, that is the way it's treated. We receive lots of congratulations on reaching our goal. Yeah. And there's like, there's a festive air to it. I mean, the original Questlandia, which we kickstarted back in 2014, didn't make much more than that. It was mm -hmm. like $6,300 yeah. or something right. like that. We were over the moon, is my memory. Yeah. Our expectations were very low, reasonably, because yeah. it was the first thing we had ever done. We were amazed that anybody was going to just trust us enough to make a thing. It was like 250 people. We're like, mm -hmm. we don't know 250 people. Yeah, we were marveling at that. Oh, wow. I still think it's a pretty, like, it's a wonderful number. It's a wonderful result. There was nothing. Yeah. Nothing wrong with us being impressed and happy about that. But at this point, 
after making games for seven years, if we had made less than that, just made our goal of 5,500 on this, it would come with a heavy sense of feeling like we've made no headway in seven years of doing this. Yeah, <laughs> at least not for this game. Mm -hmm. So then the question becomes, all right, so we have our goal, our funding goal that's written on the page. What is the actual goal where we would be happy and, you know, throw confetti? Like, where is that one? That secret goal? Oh, yeah. And we've talked about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's part of our part of the work going into this project was each of us, you know, setting the funding goal and then saying what our secret goal was. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess we should say that because that's what this episode is about. All right. But first... A word from our sponsors. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a good clip. Thing. <laughs> uh, okay, wait, should we say it at the same time? Our different secret goals? Because okay. I actually don't remember yours. Okay. Wait, Ready? but I had different levels of secret goal. We're, we're talking about the secret. The way we, we would put it to each other is this is the level where we will be very happy very about how happy. things went yeah okay like truly like like no asterisk no asterisk. we we are we are happy okay <laughs> all right okay <laughs> ready yeah three two one twenty-four thousand. oh shit no way that's that is not what you said in the beginning wait i redact twenty-four thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're right. That is mine. Are you the same one? I thought you were going to say a higher number. <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently over time, my number has gone up every like few weeks because, you know, <laughs> we at first. Different... We, we also talked about our secret stretch goals, which is like, you know, at this amount, we're going to gonna get an ice cream. Oh, whatever, yeah. You know? Yeah. And those are like very high levels of happiness. Okay. No, you're right. At, you're right. At 20,000, I will feel happy. Uh, at twenty four thousand, I will feel very happy. Yeah. Um, because it will be around what Norlandia made, which was a game that was a pretty easy pitch because it was noir. Uh, yeah, that's great. At thirty thousand, I will be chuffed over the moon, and I will buy myself the Hannibal Blu rays. But I don't. That's not going to happen. So buy Hannibal. Bye, See Hannibal. you in the future, you cannibal cutie. I'm trying to remember what my stretch goal purchases were. I think it was something really practical, like a desk for oh, your I room. Oh, I was thinking about getting a desk, but that was like at a thousand million dollars. <laughs> I think that was out of control. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, at a hundred thousand dollars, I will stop working from this cardboard box. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about one more number, too. Okay. So 24,000, we seem to be in agreement. Like, that's an amount pre-kickstarter where we were like woo that would be great we'd be very happy yeah good job us there's another number which is our sense of like what is a realistic middle point of what we can expect to make with this kickstarter yes so it's less of a like hey we did we reached a, a real goal and more of just like a what are we in line for so i had an idea of what we were 
I, I guess I don't want to do a countdown. My idea was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just say. I was thinking like in the... some Somewhere in the like 12 to 18 range. Oh, yeah. To be and kind of broadly. When it's we like, had talked about that, I, I was more like sort of squarely 18K was what I felt like was a reasonable... Expectation. Goal. Yeah. Yeah. Reasonable expectation. So back here in the real world, we're at 12,000 with uh, two weeks to go. So that puts us in the, like, it's a reasonable to expect we're going to end with somewhere in the like 18 to 24 range, somewhere in between our very reasonable expectations of ourselves and our very happy goal. Yeah. So when we put it that way, I, I might... If I was hearing people describe their their expectations and goals this way, and the reality this way, I would kind of imagine that they were having a very gentle, happy, peaceful, emotional time with their Kickstarter, because it seems right in line with their goals and expectations. Yeah, so are we? (laughs) (laughs) That noise you made. (laughs) So... (laughs) I mean, there's there's a few things going on here. It's like one is the just dopamine curve of Kickstarter. I think even for a resounding success, is it's hard to not be swept up in its cruel bell curve. Yeah, the way that curve looks is that you make a stupendous amount of your money in the first 24 hours and then it sharply levels out and then you make the rest of that in the last 48 hours those first 24 hours are extremely exciting it's exhilarating it's very fun you can like do another activity and then check your phone and be like hey i made like 80 dollars while i was brushing my teeth yeah (laughs) and like it's fun um you look at all the names popping up yeah. You're just like, thanks, Tony. Like, wow, that person backed at such a high level. Thanks, it's, Julio. It's it's a true thrill. And when it dramatically halts and goes to a like a trickle of like, okay, now there's a few people a day, you realize that your brain had very quickly we rewired itself. <laughs> <laughs> To get those little treats while you were brushing your teeth. Right. And suddenly brushing your teeth is... You're like, why even brush my teeth? If I'm not getting paid $80 for this, what's even the point? So that hits. That 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 throws us for a loop every time. We know it's coming. And then still, the next... Like on day three, we're just like, what can we do to get people back in yeah, again? It really does feel sort of like physically painful. Um, yeah. So another thing, and I'm curious if you're feeling this too, Evan, is like, I'm having to acknowledge that my personal idea of success and my personal idea of like realistic success, knowing knowing that we really knew our reach and have estimated that at this point pretty accurately, uh, I thought would feel good. And it feels disappointing because you just, 
you want to live in this world where you are the outlier or where like your project is going to catch the attention of somebody or some outlet that's surprising and will just be like the thing. <laughs> it's like you want to think you're going to make 20,000 and then suddenly make a hundred thousand because Questlandia is so beloved. Oh my gosh, we had no idea. What a marvelous game. Everybody wants it. And it you you feel it. <laughs> totally. I, I totally, totally have been tantalized by those dreams too. And it's natural because you're on Kickstarter.com <laughs> and like WWW. Yeah. <laughs> and like you can look a few clicks over and there's somebody making $150,000 with their thing. You know, you can like, you can see these other levels of success. Uh, and you don't even have to look far. I mean, in the, I think there was this pastime where you looked over and saw $150,000 and you're like, okay, well, at least that person is making an alarm clock shaped like an egg that slaps you in the face when you snooze. <laughs> uh, that's not going to succeed anyway, because they're only doing this based on a prototype. Uh, but now those are role-playing games that are making that amount. Right. And Which so is it, great. I mean, you see like, wow, there's, there's an audience for indie role-playing games getting pre-ordered on Kickstarter that's big enough to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. But then you're like, you know, why not me? Why not me? Why not me? Why not me? And that voice is in there. So however much you are basing your expectations on your sort of internal understanding of where your money comes from, you can't not be tantalized by what you see happening all around you on this website. At least I can't. <laughs> um, another thing that's made this emotionally challenging is this haunting question of how much of our success am I responsible for? In other words, at what point do you say, okay, I've done my part. I've done all the work I can do. What happens next is up to the public up to the world at large, right? It's out of my hands. I have not reached that point. Not not ever, maybe. It's really hard to get there, actually. You haven't reached the point where you can say you've done everything? Yeah. Instead, I'm, I have this sense of like, what if you drew more pictures? What if your pictures were better? What if you oh, rewrote yeah. things? What if you sent this to more outlets? What if you were advertising it? What if you, you know, just on and on and on, this question of like, how many extra hours, how much extra expertise and skill, how much more could you be pouring into this before you say, I've done my part, I did okay. And I'm glad you gave the example of like, what if my art was better, even though I'm Sorry that you feel that way, because I think your art is really good. Uh, but it's it's that it's not just like, what if I had paid for advertising? It's like, what if my personality was different? Right. And that, that hits. What if I was like, what if I had spent years being funnier on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. you know? And like having more people who are following me and interested in me. Yeah. Instead of being kind of a... 
a shy guy. (laughs) (laughs) So those feelings add up to a feeling of like, this is doing less than it would have if I, if I would just been able to give it more, right? Can I say one more thing? Oh, wait, maybe I'm getting ahead. Okay, is this getting ahead to say, like, I want to talk about also the expectations of what a successful Kickstarter looks like in the ecosystem of role-playing game Kickstarters? Like, the idea that you can have a successful Kickstarter at $1,000 or $20,000 or $100,000, but is Kickstarter may be more successful at $1,000 than $100,000, depending on what's being honestly promised and costed out and delivered on. Yeah. Like, this is about perceptions of success. Yeah. And it's about our perception of other people's perception <laughs> yeah. of what they deem a successful, newsworthy, exciting Kickstarter. Yeah, which gets super meta. Uh, but it's it's weird that, you know, I think that, I don't know, <laughs> I will ask everyone to close their eyes and imagine in their heads what you imagine as a number that is like a successful, well-received, beloved role-playing game Kickstarter now. And the number that comes to mind for me is like $30,000 and up. And I don't even mean that I believe that, but it's it's become more of a trend or something, I guess, to just see projects that are consistently hitting that number. Uh, and there's just like a little bit of a social feeling like anything less than that is like, is, is this feeling that I have, I guess the way to describe it, is this feeling that I have and this worry that people are looking at the Questlandia updated edition and being like, oh how disappointed they must feel comparing this to, say, Monster Hearts Updated Edition or Apocalypse World Second Edition. And it's Uh like, I cannot have felt that. And then I feel it thinking about other people thinking of me as sort of sad and piddly. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I could imagine people being like, Oh, I somebody mentioned Questlandia again. I guess I've been hearing about that a lot. I wonder how big a deal that really is. Maybe I'll check it out. And then going to our Kickstarter and being like, "Oh, they're oh, at 12k." Okay, it's a small right. deal. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like a it's, it's I a... guess it's like a little thing that some people are into. Yeah. Like, you know, like I think that might be a reasonable sort of set of thoughts for somebody who's fairly immersed in this little niche hobby yeah. to be thinking when think evaluating it against all the different numbers they've seen and this is like a very hyper specific kind of person you know in our past episode we talked a little bit about the like you know the insurance hotline people who have absolutely no connection with any niche community around oh, gaming yeah yeah who are just like games Wow. Yeah, um, QuickBooks guy who's just like twelve thousand dollars. I thought it was mostly for people with their medical bills. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> um, you know, so perceptions are perceptions, but we we are in the niche. And also those people who are in this who are very knowledgeable about indie RPGs are a valuable kind of person 
for having on board. Yeah. You know? So you have this note here, Evan, that says numbers hide everything. And at first I didn't know what you meant by that. Then we talked about it a little. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about it now. We're not going to just keep that conversation secret. Um, <laughs> but it'll sort of lead into that conversation to say that, you know, we've had what we've done seven Kickstarters at this point. Yeah. The range of those Kickstarters has ranged from $6,300 to $175,000, which was Good Dog, Bad Zombie. Right. And yet, when we look back and we talk about our experience, like the emotional and financial experience of those projects, some of our projects that made $20,000 felt like a lot more of a success financially to us than this project that made 175000 because it looks like a really big number, but numbers hide everything. So yeah, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I feel like I should have like a musical number about all the things that numbers hide. <laughs> yeah. Ba-dum, bum, bum, bum. Numbers hide the <laughs> materials costs and the... That... Da, 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 da. <laughs> I thought maybe I could keep Thank it you. going. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the cost of shipping, how much is that from? Low profit extras, or maybe the profit comes from cheap extras at high levels. How big was the last Kickstarter? How many people are relying on this Kickstarter's profit for their personal expenses? What communities are the creators part of? All right, so that was our list. <laughs> So, when we imagine those people, those people, who <laughs> those go to a people. Kickstarter page and are like, oh, 12,000, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, or 30,000, and they're like, yeah. Okay. Oh, this is a All thing. All right, yeah. I see it. I um, want to be a part of this yeah. party. This is, this is the cool kids room. What does 12K mean? What does 30K mean? You know, one of the things that I feel like is a reasonable thought that somebody who's not very familiar with Kickstarter might bring to a total is thinking about the money that a author gets paid as an advance when they get a publishing contract, right? Where it's like, because the author is like, hey, I want to make this book. And the publisher agrees, okay, we'll fund you to make this book. And gives them $12,000, say. I'm not actually familiar enough to know how absurd that number is <laughs> out there. But like, but but just to use our own Kickstarter's total as an amount. Yeah. I think some people might look at that 12000 and be like, oh, Hannah and Evan are getting paid 12000 to make their book. But that is an extremely different 12000 You know, the 12000 that the publisher offers is money for you to live on while you write this book. The publisher is not expecting the author to pay for the manufacturing of this book. Yeah. (laughs) They're not expecting you to pay the postage costs of sending those shipments. But in Kickstarter, that $12,000 includes the cost of the book. It includes the person who's graphic designing the interior or doing the cover art. It includes fees to Kickstarter itself. It includes fees to 
like credit card companies and whoever else is processing the payments that people do. It includes the envelopes, the bubble wrap, the postage, the storing, the web hosting, you know, it's like everything. It's just a, it's a, a total where an enormous amount of that is the cost of making the thing. And some proportion of that is going to go toward the labor. In our past projects, the proportion that's actually gone to paying us for the work of making a thing has been 5%, 10% maybe of the Kickstarter total. Like, that's what it looked like for Questlandia and Noirlandia. Maybe it was as much as 15% of the total for Damn the Man. We still felt like those were all a success because we could actually afford to make the things without going into debt. And we were not relying on this project to pay our bills. We had other jobs. <laughs> yeah, it was usually enough uh, historically to ship, to make the thing, to ship the thing, to send us to conventions. Right. Uh, and then you know, maybe give us a hundred bucks here and there. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the big questions about what's going on with that number, which is how much of that number is going to people's cost of living, right? Huge, opaque mystery um, with the average Kickstarter that you look at. It's truly a mystery. And also when it comes to paying people, there's another important distinction, which is which people are being paid on contract. They have a claim to a certain amount. And which people are being paid a percentage where they have some claim on the profits, whatever they are, and benefit more and more as the number goes up. So that's a big part of understanding what does that 30K mean. But there's also a question of like, where does that 30K come from? And when I say that, I mean like, what... Why'd they get to 30K? Yeah. Like, that might have just the, the shortcut, symbolic meaning of success, but why'd they get 30K? And that answer, I mean, the numbers just don't tell that story. Yes. Right? It could be because they are an immensely popular creator that has tens of thousands of people following what they do. It could be a big team of people where everybody's sort of individual reach is doing a lot of heavy lifting. It could be that the people involved have enough money to have spent lots of time before the Kickstarter, before getting any money at all. They could afford to support themselves working on the game, playtesting it, getting the word out, making prototypes, and having a finished, beautiful, well-known product before getting paid, right? They just had money from something else, the last project or from their day job or from whatever. Huge advantage in reaching that 30K. And it could be also, I mean, it seems kind of silly to be like, this is a hidden number, but uh, it's easy to look at the total of a Kickstarter and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this Kickstarter, like for a role-playing game made $100,000. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, this book is $65, uh, right. which changes the numbers dramatically. You know, this this is a box that's $100. 
that's what's on offer. And here's a zine that's 10. And it's like, obviously, those would have really different outcomes. But, you know, our brains look at those numbers and like get tickled, brain tickled by high numbers. And that gets into just a really complicated relationship of like, how much money are the supporters of this person or this project willing to spend? And how much is being asked for? And how much of that number, again, is going to the cost of production? Mysteries upon mysteries. And, you know, so like that $65 book is a Kickstarter that's chosen to make a sort of art object of their game, right? Like we're going to make something that's solid and beautiful and, you know, it's like you're going to pay much more than you would for a book at Barnes and Noble, right? Yeah. But in a certain sense, that's almost a different meaning than a Kickstarter where it's like, oh, well, this is digital only and it's all about this game and what the game does, as opposed to this is an object and it's about the physicality of it. In some sense, those are barely even the same genre of why people are there and what it means to buy it. Another big question is advertising, too. How much is just being spent on getting the word out on this game? And how much is coming from pre-existing support? And I think I want to acknowledge that as I say that, like I feel like there is this almost stigma around paid advertising, where it's like, oh, well, you don't have real support, you have support that you had to pay for. You know, it's like, you don't have real friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, the people who show up when you pay them to show up. But advertising isn't like that exactly. It doesn't have to be, at least. Yeah. You know, part of advertising is just like, there's a lot going on in the world and being noticed is tricky. And advertising is one way to get noticed. Yeah. And once you get noticed, then people still can have a genuine relationship to what you're making, right? And a press release that a gaming outlet picks up because they're hungry for clicks and content isn't dirtier than buying an ad on a podcast you like. Right. <laughs> but I'm not here to say which one is dirty or not dirty. You know, I mean, for Good Dog, Bad Zombie, we did paid advertising and we had some disagreements about it. I mean, I think that I was the most vocal one saying like, no, I don't want to be part of the Facebook paid advertising ecosystem. <laughs> um, and it was hands down what made the project uh, a huge success in terms of that final number, a huge success, well, asterisk, so, yeah, 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 huge success. Because I think the project was trending to maybe close around 30,000 based on some of our early estimates and early days. And then we did these paid Facebook ads that were just taking off. Right. And we just started to pump money into them. Uh, and it was like, it was wild, the advertising to backing ratio i don't i never want to do it again because i feel pretty gross about it mm -hmm. but you know we talk about it we talk about what what we could be missing based on setting some of those hard lines yeah and like or as robin thick would say blurred lines who's, talking about who's that don't you know it's that's 
for our listeners in the know. Problematic pop singer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like, I feel like Facebook as an organization is utterly grotesque. And the people that we reach. Wait, you mean meta? Yes, I mean meta. (laughs) Meta is grotesque. And the people that we reached through advertising there were very pure, very endearing people, very happy that they found out about the game. Yeah. You know? So what does that add up to morally? I don't know. Right? (laughs) It's a weird feeling. (laughs) That's a great point. And it's something that we've talked about in episodes before is also the kind of narrow reach of just this this community and like this hobby as role-playing games i mean that was one of the things that was like so pure about good dog bad zombie was you had mentioned i can't remember if it was in our last episode or an episode before reaching the people who just say oh games i've heard of games yeah games are nice i think i like a game and like those are to bring that person on to questlandia so pure but we can't reach those people right now or it's it not without something surprising happening right we at least we don't have a strategy to reach them yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean i could go to a really tall building and like throw some flyers down during an open market right that's that's called marketing (laughs) (laughs) It, it just is and, you know, marketing is something you can do yourself or hire people for. And it's not either of our strongest suits. No, <laughs> it really isn't. You know, yesterday we spent some time. I didn't even want to send out press releases for Questlandia because it just brings up. It's like it's emotional for me to be like, why would this site pick up this game and not not ours? It it hits at that social thing of like, why am I not better? For me too. And like it's it doesn't strike me as just like a, you know, irrational social feeling to bring into the affair. Like in looking through the policies of these news sites that post about indie RPGs on Kickstarter. They do not have clear guidance about how to get your game on there. They don't have a clear process. And that opaqueness on their part leads to a feeling of like, well, they're just picking who they want to pick, right? Which might be true. Uh, And it's fine. (laughs) But then it's still that, you know, it it becomes that conundrum of uh, like, how do you get the experience the five years experience you need for the entry-level job well, you know right. at like what point? the most newsworthy projects are going to be the ones with familiar names with creators who have met with a lot of success before or are presently in the midst of a surprising success story there just isn't as much newsworthiness about like this relatively unknown creator is doing middlingly well yeah <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that I mean, we wrote up some press releases yesterday, and we sent them out with sort of no expectation. But then it was like we found by the end of the day, we still felt like exhausted and like icky. Yeah, and this is us stretching ourselves, right? And 
to bring this back around to the very beginning of our conversation. And the end of this conversation. Yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> we are. Really... I have to let people know now that they're not going to be stuck here forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about what we expected. And we talked about the numbers where we felt like we'd be very happy. So we expected something around 18,000. We felt like we'd be happy around 24,000. But why Why would we be happy with 24,000? I think the answer for both of us is it would have exceeded our expectations, basically. It's yeah. just like, oh, that's better than I expected, and that's really nice. But there's still another number that's important to think about here, which is a number related to our goal of supporting ourselves with RPG work. And this isn't one where we have a, a very clear answer of like, what does Q1.1 have to reach for this goal to be met? But we do have a goal of like how much money we want to be paying ourselves in a year to feel like this is our full-time work that we can build our lives around and is worth the effort. Yeah. You want to do a countdown? No, let's just see each <laughs> Well, I know those numbers are different for both of us. And I like this part of the conversation because it's so taboo to talk about, you know, salaries and what people make in a year. Yeah. And it I wish it wasn't. It does everybody a disservice. So yeah, I mean, for me, that number is I would love to be making from games, just making in my life forty five thousand dollars a year. It's a yeah. number. I've never made $45,000 a year. The closest I've come was working a terrible full-time office job that I lasted a few weeks at, two months at, I think. A few months, yeah. A few months, yeah. You're granted, getting migraines every single day. It was really rough. Um, <laughs> granted, I had been in the job for years uh, part-time, and then they just switched compassy, compassy policy, switched the company <laughs> policy that everybody had to work full-time. And it was like suddenly in a full-time job that didn't need to be a full-time job. And it was so miserable and just absolutely not worth it. Your coworker uh, stole your food. My coworker stole my lunch. And then he <laughs> said he didn't, but we're the only two people who worked there. <laughs> <laughs> it was really a really surreal part of my life. So yeah, for me, $45,000 is a number where I would feel like um, I'm able to meet all of the expenses that I need to meet in my life and able to save. Like I'm a pretty thrifty person, uh, but I like expensive shoes. I don't have money to spend on them right now. Like I really like weird expensive shoes and I want to buy the Hannibal Blu-rays and I want to be able to like frivolously spend on food when I'm hungry and want a prepared meal that's $9 instead of buying a box of macaroni. Um, and I think $45,000 will more than get me there. And it's hard to imagine ever making that much in this industry without having to take on other work. But that's my number. And I'm going to keep it in my head. And my number is like 25,000. 
Although you just mentioned a lot of nice things, I'm kind of bumping it up a little bit. I upselled you. Yeah, I'm like, wow, yeah, you I can up, buy stuff with money, you. huh? Yeah, you're like, I've never. You can thought buy about what you. with money? <laughs> Let me sing the song in a list form. <laughs> um, but you know that sensation of like, I can afford my necessities. I can afford a few luxuries. I can get sushi once in a while. Oh, that sounds so nice right now, even. <laughs> and like, and I can be putting away some amount of money where I feel like I can weather a bump in the road. So when we look at those numbers, which adds up to something like 70000 75000 a year in profit. Yeah. What are our goals like I guess that that's another lens to look at this number for a Kickstarter total. And I feel like the happiest, most immensely gratifying thing that could have happened with Q1.1 is realizing we're there. We can do it. We can sustain ourselves with this work. And it's not going to a total that's that <laughs> has that conclusion tied to it. Not for this project, yeah. Right. Like it, it, it feels like, well, something similar we've said with most of our other projects too, which is we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting closer. But that sense of like, we're getting there, I think is completely real with this Kickstarter. I think in a lot of regards, this is our most successful Kickstarter yet. And that's a little bit separate from the raw total amount funded. Yeah, it's numbers about, hide everything. It's about what it's hiding. Like, our, we've done more careful calculations of the cost of our materials and our shipping than ever before. And yep. this is the most accurate amount that we're asking for. I think that it has like a healthier margin to actually pay for the labor of the work. We're not doing stretch goals. Right. We're not setting ourselves up with a lot of extra work with questionable returns <laughs> we didn't dream up a lot of add-ons just to inflate the price and it should also be said the first draft of the game is done because it's questlandia first edition i think this is actually the most important thing about our number for this kickstarter compared to all the others the amount of work that this total represents, or to put it another way, the amount of time that this work is set to be completed in, which you can then divide it up of like, well, how much are you making each month while working on this project? It's going to be better for this project than any other, knock on wood, because I think the scope is so much more reasonable. This updated draft, this updated version of something that we already have a complete edition of we could conceivably be done with this in a few months yeah right and basically every other project we've done has taken at least 10 months that's huge right like that means if you're going to think about money over time it's like this total is three times higher compared to the other projects which took a year of work Again, knock on wood. I, hope, I, mean, I, I really, I feel good about our Our I feel good about our estimations of how much work this is going to take. But 
we do keep being surprised. We do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we got today. It's been a good experiment in learning that your reasonable expectations can still disappoint you because capitalism says that good is never enough and we have to always be striving and all-consuming and climbing the ladder of bodies that lead us to only our success. If there is oil left unburnt, our job is not yet done. So, back Questlandia updated and expanded edition. (laughs) 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 It's on Kickstarter until November 18th. Please. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. The Design Doc intro outro theme is written by our friend, musician Pat King. Thanks, Pat. Design Doc is part of the One Shot Podcast Network. OneShot hosts other great shows like Session Zero. Session Zero is a discussion podcast that seeks to explore the psychology of role-playing. Each episode will feature RP concepts, stories and tropes viewed through the lens of psychology by clinical psychologist Porter Green and industrial organizational psychologist Steve Discont. Join us on the couch for the next session. I like the way you said RP concepts. I know. It was like kind of dirty. <laughs> um, so if you like Design Doc, we'd also love if you left us a review on iTunes. I think we mentioned it last time. Um, Heroes, you did not take us seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Reviews make a big difference for people finding the podcast, and uh, there's, like, one other podcast that had appeared in the last two years, also kind of called Design Doc. I'm just saying, like, help us fight them. We have a battle raging in the podcast sphere. Like, yeah, only you can help us win. When we say heroes... Like, this is a legitimate call to action for heroic Take deeds. up arms, say, uh, Design Doc's fine. <laughs> yeah, four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, <laughs> the Design Doc podcast is supported entirely by our Patreon at patreon.com slash turtle bun. This month, we would like to welcome new patrons, Billy and Rachel. Billy and Rachel, thank you so much for your support. You give me the comfort from this one memory that I remember of being a kid and watching TV in my family room in our split-level home in Martinez, California, and my dog, Allie, was laying asleep on the back of my legs while I just lay down on the floor watching TV. And in that moment, I felt so safe. Wow. (laughs) That's so sweet. So thank you, everybody, for listening (laughs) and supporting us. And we'll see you soon, heroes.